Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everyday Linux, episode 150, Halfway to Thermopylae, recorded January 29th, 2014, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the, the Linux show that's not about Linux, but about life in the context of Linux. I am your host, for better or worse, Mark, the Sultan of the Soapbox Cockerel, and joining me this week is just one, one half of our triangle wait that's not right one stool of our i'm not gonna go seth is here hey seth the gooey kid anderson how are you pretty good mark and i would like to welcome the element op faithful to this awesome summertime rendition of everyday linux woohoo yeah i almost want to break out into a hoedown yeah this but, isn't okay, our first show nice. of the summer was it i think last week was our first show of right the summer. yeah it yeah. was yeah that was actually on the first official day of summer i think the first full uh, day isn't twenty yeah, first is the day. half day, right? Yeah, sometime in the twenty first is whenever the it, that's not called equinox. That's called what the vernal meridian. Yeah, is that the correct? Uh, it name? is equinox. Isn't it? It's vernal equinox and the autumnal no, equinox. No, equinox is whenever you're that's spring and summer. Whenever it's half and half. Okay, so ver- so this I, I I don't know. The internet will correct us. I have no doubt. Yes. See, I should have let you do it because they will bash you for that's right. Wrong. Yeah, the Seth gets to say whatever he wants, and it doesn't matter. I am wrong, uh, and sometimes even when I'm not wrong, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Chris gave us no explanation. Simply said he wouldn't be here this week, and uh, so I'm going to dock his pay fifty uh, percent, uh, and and <laughs> we'll go from there. And a special. Uh, programming note, Solstice. Thank you, Rick Crouch, in the chat room. 90 seconds delayed. Sol- summer Solstice. Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. Uh, next week, uh, the day before, actually, it'll be the day after Independence Day here in the U.S., uh, your good friend and mine, Seth Anderson, is coming to Georgia to visit me. So we're going to record Saturday night instead of Sunday. So those of you who like to check out the live show, it'll be at the same time on Saturday night rather than Sunday night. And Seth will be in studio, i.e. basement, with me. Yes, but you know, see, it got all weird when you said basement. So you should have just <laughs> left in the studio. <laughs> Two grown men don't need to be going down to the basement doing anything. Well, it's a big basement if that helps. Well, it would have to be for both of us to fit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's enough about it. Anyway, so I just wanted you to know uh, it won't change the release of the show any at all. Uh, but as we often do for holidays, um, just because we can get away with it, we're not going to do a technology-centered show. We're going to do an Internet-centered show, and that's all I'm going to say about it right now. We'll have a maybe a little teaser later on. Uh, the first thing I wanted to say is I went yesterday with my lovely wife and saw Transformers Age of Extinction. Um, it's exactly what you expect from a Michael Bay film. Uh, it's lots of explosions, lots of confusion action scenes where you can't really see what's going on. At least one really hot chick. Hokey dialogue. Um, let, let me tell you everything you need to know. There's two pieces of information you need to know about this movie to know everything you need to know about it. It'll tell you whether you want to see it or not. One, you've seen in the previews, Optimus Prime riding a Dinobot. That's, that's point the first. Point the second, um, Mark Wahlberg says to the, the character, the actress playing his daughter, there's, this is an actual line of dialogue from the movie. Honey, hand me my alien gun. So with those two things there, 
you now know everything you need to know to decide whether you want to see the movie or not. And that was actually in a trailer. Was it? Okay. Too. Yes, because I saw it. Uh, I do. I have a question for you, and some people might call it a spoiler. Are any of the the supporting cast from the other Transformers movies present, or is it nobody except the Transformers? None of the human cast is there. Okay. None, none of the ar- army soldiers or the no. weird guy who was really, none of that. Okay. Well, no I'm sector seven. Some of them. Okay. Now th- there are obviously humans. Um, right. Um. <laughs> Fraser Crane uh, makes an appearance. Uh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey is uh, he's flexing his sci-fi muscles these days. Um, yep. And uh, he plays. I don't want to say a bad guy. He plays a a character with a darkness that we've I've never seen Kelsey Grammer play. Cool. So, uh, it's uh, two hours and forty five minutes. It probably could have been. 50 minutes, minutes less yeah it could have been an hour and 50 you know pretty comfortably um and we were forced to watch it in 3d and i say that because we the the website was wrong for this theater we went to and and when you have a house full of kids there's we had to arrange a window in which we could dump our children on somebody else so the three o'clock showing wasn't a three o'clock showing so the the next one the 315 showing was a, a uh an imax 3d so the tickets just doubled. It was the $15 IMAX tax. Um, and, it, you know, I don't like 3D. I've, I've said that on the show before. Uh, it didn't make me want to puke. So, you know, that's something. Uh, but I would have preferred to see it in 2D. It's getting better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, fast action scenes and 3D don't go together. And, and they always do. See, I think the best 3D I ever saw was Toy Story 3. And in that movie... For 85, 90% of the time, the front of the screen, the screen was the, the nearest action to you, and they added depth, all right? And occasionally, something jumped out at you, and something happened in front of the screen, but not very often. But what 3D people like to do is make everything happen in front of the screen, and, and there's a couple of problems with that. One is just physics. Your eye doesn't, um, d- doesn't like to focus on that because it's it's all an illusion right whatever anytime you're looking at at 3d in a film setting it's not real 3d obviously if it were really 3d um you wouldn't need the glasses i mean i see 3d every day right and nothing right you know things do jump out at me but not in that same way so it, you're creating an illusion and the physics of it forces your eye to focus on something that isn't there and it and that's when you get the blurred imagery and things that just don't work right and i wish guys would would stay away from it but michael bay is not known for his uh restraint and so there were a number of times when things happened 80 or 90 percent closer to you than they should have actually been um and it just it just ruins for me i I, maybe it's just my the 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 way i see i have very poor eyesight i had laser correction but the the laser correction doesn't fix the the physical deformity it just corrects it so maybe other people don't see what I see, but you know, there when something is jumping way out in front, it gets divided into two images for me. I don't mm-hmm. see the 3D anymore. I see, I see, I do see 3D, but I don't see the solid image, and I don't like it. Is that is that your experience too? I haven't really noticed that. I really like. There's been nothing that go. I'm glad I saw this in 3D. I'm like, crap! I paid extra for that. Yeah. Um. You know. 
and sure, I mean, you know, Kayla, I love going to the summer blockbuster where you don't have to think and stuff blows up and, you know, check the light. You allow them like five logical inconsistencies just, you know, because this is a summer blockbuster. It doesn't have to make sense. Um, I don't mind that, but there's no reason. Give me a reason to go see a 3D movie. I mean, I've seen I've seen several. Um, the last one I saw in 3D was Godzilla. And there, there was no reason for them to put that in 3D. Nothing like, Oh, wow. That was awesome. I can't believe I saw it in 3D. It's like, I can't believe I wasted, you know, I mean, a whole tank of gas almost just to go to the movies. And, uh, I'm hoping someday we'll look back and go, what were those idiots thinking yeah. using 3D like that? You know, it needs, if, if, if your movie is so crappy that the only way you can market it is now in 3D, you know, maybe we don't need to make that movie. Um, just my thought, but no, I really haven't noticed the, the, um, like split images and stuff that you talk about. So, I, so yeah, it just may be the physics of my vision. Yeah. May, maybe because I've, you know, like I didn't notice anything weird about it. I just, I didn't notice the 3d nothing popped. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm trying to decide what else I can say because large port parts of it are a spoiler, but you were talking about, you know, there are certain things that you forgive in sci-fi, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you forgive almost everything Wolverine does because his character is almost godlike. So you just, you just accept that. Um, right. It always bothered me that his skin would push the bullets out after he got shot. That's not, skin normal skin doesn't do that why would mutant skin but you just you you, you're okay with that the muscle underneath is healing and i you know i don't know but yeah you kind of give it to him because other otherwise you know he would have so much more metal in him right be able to move because he would just be riddled with it yeah well it would bounce off the adamantium and and go away right Um, well i mean the bones only his bones are infused with adamantium they aren't like and in the the most recent one Right. I, I don't think this is a spoiler. So, you know, he jumps back in time to before he has the adamantium and bullets right. are still bouncing off of him. I got a problem with that. I, I did not notice that. But yes, you are. Oh, well, I don't know if that would have been. Yeah, because that would have been. Well, I don't know. But, you know, because he been. I can't tell you this, but he met somebody for the first time. And he alluded to the fact that something was about to happen. You you remember that scene? Um, anyway, it's it's okay. It was anyway. Hmm. I'm, okay, I, I don't yeah. want to go there. No, we can't okay, have yeah, that discussion no. right now. We need to have no, a spoiler yeah. cast where we can do this stuff. Yeah, but I remember what you're talking about yeah. now. Two, two, so, a second, yeah. so anyway, um, the, the the Transformers movie. As long as my my rule is, you can define any rules you want in sci-fi. Just play by your own rules. And I'm even willing to forgive changing rules between sequels. I don't like it. But as long as you're internally consistent between the opening credit and the closing credits, I'm willing to give you a wide berth. This right. movie broke its own rules a number of times during the two hour and 45 minutes of the movie. Um, and again, you're not supposed to notice that. It's supposed to be explosions and boobs. And, you know, and you're supposed to just be okay with that. Um, but... It just it really bothered me. I could I could cite for you at least three solid examples of where in the movie they define the rules. A, a character had a line of dialogue that was exposition that explained something, and then actions happened later, 
completely contradicting contradicting the line of dialogue. It's impossible to turn left. And then all of a sudden you see the left blinker go on. Yeah. Wait yeah. a minute. You just turn left. Don't so. cross the streams. Um, yeah. and, and as a Texan, something that bothered me was there's a line in the movie. We just got a call from Paris, Texas. And then they go to Paris, Texas. Now I grew up 40 miles from Paris, Texas. These scenes were clearly in Austin, Texas and in the, the surrounding hill country. And then later when you watch the credits, you see that it's Pflugerville and, and, uh, and areas around Austin. Why don't now? I understand the dialogue was written ahead of time, and then they went and scouted some stuff. And Austin's a very uh, film friendly thing, so just change that one line of dialogue, people. Why? Well, I know only people like me that the seventeen hundred people who grew up near Paris care. The rest of the world doesn't. But still, how hard would it be to change one line of dialogue and say we have a report from south of Austin, Texas? I uh, I was watching Walker, Texas Ranger, and they were talking about they were going to City Hall to do something and they pulled up outside the hall of state in fair park and i went really <laughs> <laughs> really there's no way that looks like city hall but you know they played it off as city hall yeah. and it's the hall of state in fair park um i did a lot of volunteer work there so i was i'm really i was like come on guys please but you know you know to the uh 10% of the country that's not texas i yeah. guess that's a big deal there was a funny thing in Dallas once where the Dallas mayor ran an ad that showed a cop from Fort Worth. And it was it was very it was the Fort Worth uniform they have mounted cops in Fort Worth. So it was a it was a mounty when it with his uniform had FW written on the side. Um and people made hay about it. I know it was a stock image. It was a good looking guy on a good looking horse. I get it. But come on, people. Proofread. Do, do some due diligence. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, at least they made sure there was a guy on a horse that was a cop so there's your some due diligence mark <laughs> all right and one other thing i wanted to say you know we've been talking up patreon a lot lately and, and again i thank you guys for for your response we have a number of of patrons now um more than i like 17 times more than i expected which was zero uh and um well see the problem with that mark is a hundred times zero is still zero <laughs> that's true so um so i um uh, um I discovered today, because it's getting to the end of the month, and Patreon charges the end of the month. You know, this is the the 29th that we're recording this. So I went in and I was going to check my stats, and I discovered that when you post something, you you tag it as either free or paid. I've been posting everything as, as free because I don't want to charge anybody for it. I realize now that paid means counts against accounts toward your patreon subscribers so all you people who are patreon subscribers you got a free month because i was tagging everything wrong so oops <laughs> so i appreciate your willingness to support me but your support will actually begin in july because now i understand how that works yeah this was the beta you know we're, we're trying to hook you in here right so uh, thanks for that. And uh, Seth, I, I see from the uh, notifications I get on the forum every time you make a change, you've been doing some work in there. Yes, I have updated my Seth's uh, Corner to get the current links up. And because of how long it was getting, I decided I, I have like Seth's Corner episodes 4 to 100 because 4 is where I came on. And I've started another one for 101 to 200. And then when we get to 201, I'll, I'll wrap it over to another one. But so now. Is it you know, zero four to 100? Nah. <laughs> oh, okay. 
No, I just, you know, because this is forum posts and they'll, they'll just be there. Uh, cause they don't show up in the, in the, anyway. No, I, I got over, got rid of my analness over that. So no, I just decided to get them all up today and I'm working on getting my history. Um, my, uh, this week in history and I'll get that in the forum post. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Mark, is I noticed that in the forums, for whatever reason, some of my links are, um, it's like they're highlighted in addition to just underline. And I couldn't figure out why, because I just, because you're copy and pasting straight from the formatting in Google plus and Google plus has it formatted white text on a black text on a white page. So you have to strip that Google formatting off the Google Doc. But it's weird because it's not all of them. Yeah. So that's 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 why every time I copy and paste from the show notes, I have to do that or it looks like that. So do I then I go and highlight those and paste them and make them blue or something? Even though yeah, you just click the remove formatting and then it'll remove. default to the site format. Okay. But it'll still do the links. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool remove formatting i will make a note of that and i will give you more updates still in the gui on the website it's a picture of like a chalk eraser okay there you go um and that's all we got let's move into what you get we only have a couple of pieces of listener feedback that was a an unfortunate slip of the tongue a couple of pieces of listener feedback uh once one is a thanks and one is a complaint so we'll begin with the complaint paul writes in wanting to correct my pronunciation i'm gonna fight with you on this one paul hi guys a few episodes back you talked about the pronunciation or rather the mispronunciation of geeky terms i thought of a couple but didn't send a comment at the time now you forced my hand in the latest show, number 149, Mark pronounced GIF with a hard G, as in gargantuan. It's supposed to be a soft G, as in ginormous. How do I know? Because the Jeopardy! TV show says so. And because also the guy who developed the format uh, says so. While I'm at it, uh, the other thing that bugs me is demon. It's pronounced demon, people, not daemon. I'm not accusing you guys of this travesty, travesty, just too many members of geekdom. Okay, calming down now. Really enjoy your blatherings and have become an official Patreon of the show. Thanks for what you do, Paul. Okay, Paul, here's here's my thought. First on the demon daemon thing. All right, you got to forgive people for that. A lot of people never actually say these words. They only write them. They never hear them. They only read them. And it's spelled D-A-E. And in English, when two vowels go walking hand in hand, the first one does the talking. That's what every second grader has heard. The English language, D-A-E, is pronounced daemon. All right? Now, this is a, it's actually a Greek word. So we go all the way back to the Greek pronunciation. And yes, it is demon. And it is the same demon, the same root word as demons as in evil spirits. Uh, the demons uh, are, are, you know, the spirits who do the bidding of the dark world. And, and demons in... in uh, uh, the Linux world are the things that do your bidding behind the scenes. So it all makes sense. But come on, Paul, it's spelled Damon. All right, it's don't call it OS X10 either. I mean, it's it, it's an X. Get get over it. It's an X. So I'm I'm totally I, I understand your point. And honestly, I I can be the pedantry police too. Um, and I I catch myself calling it Damon because you're just reading along and it says Damon. Um. But I do often correct myself and say, no, it is demon. Um, but, okay, so I'm going to give you that one. The gif-jif thing, I'm going to fight with you. Here's why I'm going to fight with you. For one thing, 
It stands for graphics interchange format. It's not graphics interchange format. It's a GIF. All right. Yes, the guy who created it gave it a name, but that doesn't matter. Words words take on lives of their own. Creators honest, honest, often don't have any say in it. How many bits of quote-unquote canon about the Star Wars universe had nothing to do with any words that George Lucas wrote? Most of the good stuff. Um, <laughs> so you, 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 have to, you can't just hang with the creator said it was this, and so that's what it is. Words become what words are commonly used. That's, that's the evolution of language. If we followed your rules, we would all be speaking Gaelic. Because English would never have changed because the original words were uh, were Gaelic or or Welsh or Old Norse. Language evolves and GIF has evolved into a hard G. Get over it, Paul. That's just the way it is. Secondly, just because the pompous gas bag on a game show calls it a GIF, that doesn't make it right. Yeah, All right. Jiffy peanut butter is something you put on bread. A yes. GIF is a picture you look at and i'm sorry I, I don't call it demon it will be damon for me just because it's weird talking about the demons in your computer <laughs> well you know that's why the bsd devil is their their my their mascot it's it's based on that it's this the linux linux demon most people right. don't know that um so he's he's technically right on that but i'm willing to to uh let that slide just because it's a weird word um but the GIF GIF thing, if you're from France and you pronounce hard, uh, soft G's all the time, call it a GIF. It's potato potato. They're, you look them up. They're both acceptable pronunciations. Tomato tomato. Both acceptable. I'm okay with GIF and GIF. But I'm a red-blooded American, and I'm going to call it GIF. GIF. <laughs> yeah, not a gift you give somebody, but a GIF. Although you can give people GIFs. Yeah, that's true. And and the gift GIF, that's what I'm going to call it from now on, just to make everybody happy. <laughs> OS 10X, the gift GIF of OS OS 10X, uh, has really had a resurgence, thanks largely to Google Plus. I think the uh, the animated gift GIF is really a, a thing now, um, and I really want it to go away, uh, but it's here, and it's only because of all the cat gift GIFs that we're even having this discussions. If if there weren't so many cat gift GIFs on the internet, then then Paul would never have written in because people wouldn't be talking about gift GIFs anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry, yes, that's awesome. I, I I love that you can talk about gift GIFs like that and just stream on like nothing is happening. When I say gift GIF, uh, you know. I it's I have to keep myself from laughing. So kudos to you, Sultan of the Soapbox. I am a radio professional. Not really, not at all. Uh, <laughs> nothing professional about that. But uh, thanks, Paul. Honestly, I I'm, I hope you can take a joke. I, I suspect if you're a listener to the show, not only a listener but a patron, you understand good natured ribbing. Uh, so uh, thanks for the for the uh, the feedback, and um, I'll send you a, a cat gift gif as a as a thanks for it. Um, and lastly, uh, again, I don't solicit these things, people. They just come to me, but they work as great fill, uh, lead-ins. Justin likes to writes in to say thanks for talking about Linux Academy. He says, first, I really enjoy your podcast and look forward to it every week. I wanted to thank you for mentioning Linux Academy. I've been looking for training and didn't want to take the time off for a boot camp. Linux Academy seems like exactly what the type of thing I'm searching for, and the price is great. I'll get back to you with a review after I knock out some lessons. Keep up the good work, and thanks, 
Justin. Now, we've talked about this. Seth has, has certainly belabored that point a number of times, that there's really a couple of ways to go about getting your Linux learning on. And uh, the boot camp is often the way to go. Seth went the boot camp route. He did, what was it, three months, Seth? Uh, Yeah, three months yeah. of, yeah, it was really a boot camp. Yeah, and he did uh, Microsoft and Cisco stuff, uh, not Linux stuff, because he didn't know better. He wasn't enlightened in the ways of the Linux back then. Uh, I but- grew up Microsoft, and um, there was just too much command line in Linux. And honestly, there was too much command line in Cisco, and I, I bombed. <laughs> I, I failed miserably on Cisco and went back and concentrated on just more Microsoft. So you hear that, Anthony? You need to apply your skills to the Cisco Academy as well. And guys like Seth would uh, would line up. And uh, you could probably charge 10 times that and still be cheap. What do you charge? What are we talking about? Linux Academy, obviously you know. Unless this is the very first podcast you've ever listened to, you already know what the Linux Academy is. But he pays me to, so I'm going to tell you anyway. Linuxacademy.com is a place where you can go and get step-by-step video courses designed to take you from being a beginner in the world of Linux to a server administrator. Now, that's a big goal from beginner to server administrator, but he's doing it. They're doing it. That team of award-winning, not award-winning, but a team of of um, high-quality certified, that's the word I'm looking for, certified high-content, high-quality content creators. They went through an independent certification through two different institutions, and both of them certified them as high-quality Linux content. Um, and so you go there, and you log in, and you're presented with this portal, uh, this uh, dashboard, and the dashboard says, here's here's the the modules that we have to offer. This module is, for example, LPIC Level 1 Certification. That's where you start, where you go from being a beginner to to certified. And you just work down the list there. And inside that module are a series of courses and quizzes and study guides and and, uh, practice exams. And they all uh, come together in a in a uh, an intelligent format. You flow from one to the other to the other. You can always jump back. the The PDF study guides are time coded, so you can look at it. And, and if you need to go back and see something, you go back. You get you get uh, the support tools. You get your own Linux uh, test lab environments on the Amazon's cloud services, so you can can experiment with in a safe environment. You don't have to hose your own machines while you're doing it. Um, and when you're done, when you work through all that and, and you've taken your practice exam and you're ready to go, you can go and be certified as an LPIC level one uh, uh, certified person thingy. And you can do that because they even the, the, the LPIC, the Linux Professional Institute, um, found them to be so high quality that they they are working together you can you can sign up for the test on either site and you can and i and i've heard some people say um uh, this may be hearsay but i've heard listeners say that you can get a discount from from if you take your learning uh, take your courses at linux academy you can get a discount on either the eit uh eti e what's the word what's the that certification i'm blanking the, the CompTIA, the thank you. Yeah, CompTIA. Either, either CompTIA or Linux Professional, I forget which one, will give you a discount based on where you're coming from. Anyway, check it all out. How do you check it out? Simple. Go to linuxacademy.com, sign up, sign up, sign up. I suddenly became Texan. Sign up for a 14-day uh, trial. It's going to cost you a buck. You log in there, you give them a credit card or a PayPal or whatever you got. Cost you a buck, and then for 14 days you can look around. You can check out videos. You can download study guides. You can get a feel for it. It's a. It's not an all access pass. It's a. But it's certainly representative of what you can do there. And it's enough to make a decision. At the end of that 14 days, you can cancel. Doesn't cost you anything more than that dollar. If you want to keep going, you can do their monthly subscription for a whopping 25 dollars a month. 
Okay, now that's super cheap. But like anything, the more you buy, the cheaper it gets. If you want to pay for a year up front, you can get that down to $19 a month. $19 a month, you're not going to find anything this quality for this price anywhere on the internet. And if you're looking at a boot camp and you want to do that, then you certainly can, but you're going to pay thousands of dollars. But Linux Academy, if you do it for a full year, I mean, you look at a couple hundred bucks. So it's, it's just, it's cheap, but it's not low quality. It's high quality and inexpensive. And that's a good combination. That is a Linux combination. That's what we like in the Linux world. So go check them out. And when you do, use the, uh, the referral code EverydayLinux in the, in the referral box and let them know that we sent you there. Yeah. And just to kind of talk about, don't think that you have to be an IT professional in order to get anything out of this course. So many courses out there, they expect you to know the material and then you're just, you know, to be like a good super user and then they'll take you that last bit of the way. And with boot camps, that's already the case. You know, if you walk in there knowing barely how to turn on a computer, you're wasting your money at a boot camp because either they have to stop and bring you up to speed or at the end of the time, you still don't know what you need to know. But Linux Academy, if you know how to watch a YouTube video, that's really if, if you can't figure out how to watch YouTube then Linux Academy is over your head. But if you can listen to this podcast, I think you can figure out how to watch YouTube. And if you know how to go to a channel in YouTube and click on it and watch videos, then you know everything that is required to join the Linux Academy. And then you get out what you put in. The longer, the more you study at it, the better you'll get. Is something too hard? Hit the rewind button. Watch that lesson again. You know, build a server a couple of times. It, it's all in there for you um, to go at your own pace, um, but at the same time to not just be, um, I, I, I can't think of a good word. You know, they, they, they will lead you and they will lead you at your pace. And at the end, however long you want to put in, if you're willing to go the whole route, you can be a Linux admin. You might not be the guy who knows everything, but you'll know the basics and you'll know where to look and you won't be afraid of getting your hands down and dirty on the keyboard while walking through the ins and outs of the Linux distros that are out there. All right. There you go. And now moving on to our uh, news of the week, we got to cover up uh, a circle back to a little old news first. Uh, something I poo pooed and, and said I didn't believe in a couple of months ago where apparently uh, 48,000 people disagree with me to the tune of $2.2 million. Yes. In two months, the solar freaking roadways and the reason we put the free, that's what their YouTube video was called, solar freaking roadways. And it's a great YouTube video. It's everything about how this makes us one step closer to daisies and bonbons for everybody. Um, but of course they gloss over any issues with it. But yeah, they raised $2.2 million and it's, it was the most popular in Indiegogo's history. 48,000 backers from all 50 states and 165 countries. So, you know, his goal now is to like, they want to get a pro, they want to get some prototype roadways down and not just a driveway somewhere. Um, I still think there's several issues that they need to <laughs> overcome, but, um, Hopefully they will. I mean, it would be awesome if, if this was great. Um, I hope they go well and I wish them well, 
but yeah, they raised $2.2 million. So way to go. Solar freaking roadways. Yeah. So they were looking for a million. They got 2.2 and the guy thinks he can do something with that amount of money. That that's not much money. $2.2 million for inventing a new technology is not a lot of money, but he seems confident that he can do it. So again, like you said, Seth, I would love to be proven wrong about that. This is one of those things that it, the the more wrong I am about it, the happier I will be. But yeah. I just think it's going to be, I, I think he's going to take, you know, eight, uh, 1.8 million of that and flee the country uh, and, and, and say, sorry, it didn't work. And that's the problem with, with crowdfunding. You can do that sort of stuff, but uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's one thing to have a driveway that, you know, I don't know how much it gets driven on, but a roadway with lots of dirt and debris and bits of tires sticking to it and stuff, I just don't see how that's going to get a high enough percentage of light. Um, although I did come across an article that they feel like they've doubled the theoretical maximum of a light that can be absorbed up to like uh, I think it's like forty percent now. Yeah, because uh, uh, right now the 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 industry standard is fourteen to seventeen percent. So double right. it would be thirty four percent. Yeah, uh, that'd be impressive. Yeah, and you know something like that would help make something like this more feasible. But anyway, right. so go people, yay! So in the I can't believe this isn't April Fool's Day category. The Microsoft who purchased part of Nokia. Um, has has released a new smartphone and of course it's android based yes uh the nokia x2 is coming out it'll be so worldwide it has a dual sim card so you know it can kind of run on either network and it's it's not a super high price thing they're looking to sell it for 135 dollars um but yeah it's going to be running android but they're hoping to kind of use that as kind of a gateway to microsoft services because you know microsoft has so many android apps out there uh, but yeah i don't know um one thing they're doing is they're taking a good quality phone and they're like knocking the price down to where it's a more affordable, I guess. And, you know, you're not necessarily getting a bargain basement, super cheap Android phone, but a decent quality, you know, good, at least middle of the road Android phone at a pretty good price. So. Uh, Seth, did we talk on this show at all? I think it came out between shows and we didn't. The Fire Phone from Amazon? Um, I don't remember. I don't think. I think maybe it just got cut from the news. I don't yeah. think we talked about it. But yeah, Amazon. So, so you, know. you know, Amazon has been in the business of taking Android and making it very not like Android with right. their Kindle Fire tablets. Well, now they have the Fire Phone uh, that's due out, and uh, and it's sort of the same thing. Yes, it's Android, but it's Android as plumbing. Um, you don't interact with Android in any way. Uh, so I suspect what the, that's what this Nokia X is going to be. Uh, it's going to have Android underneath in the same way that Nokia phones used to have Symbian underneath, but you won't know it. I mean, I'm sure you'll be able to run Android apps, but otherwise they're going to have a full-on Nokia experience. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, I think, I'm sorry to interrupt. I think that's a win. I think when, um, when, when things become infrastructure, uh, it's a win. I think that's that's what the Open Handset Alliance wanted when they got their start back in the the late nineties. So uh, I think you know it's not a bad thing. 
Yeah, and they're looking to set up and really go with the Nokia store, which will be the place for finding the highest quality Android apps for the device. So I don't yeah, know if another that, walled garden. Yeah. Or is it going to be is Nokia just kind of going to be a best of Google Play? Um, or is it going to be Android Fire, but you know, Microsoft Stink or wh- whatever they're going to end up calling it? I don't know. But yeah, so <laughs> they're, they're coming out with it. You know, I'm just glad that we're finally getting some good choice in the mobile phone market because I really thought that was missing here recently. Yeah, you know, and and I I agree with that. Uh, the it, it it all I've said this many times before. It comes down to what ecosystem you're in, and and right now the ecosystems are Apple or, or Google, but it's good to see other ecosystems. I mean, Amazon, man, they're just they're looking at taking over the world, and they're creating their own eco- ecosystem. And and as a as a a prime member, I mean, I'm I'm sort of I'm replacing some of the Google Kool Aid with some Amazon Kool Aid these days. I'm I'm sort of I've got grape in one hand and, and cherry in the other. Um, but it's 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 kind of amazing, really the the fact that we're seeing these ecosystems driving technology instead of the other way around. And so Nokia is trying, like you said there on their show, they're trying to in their store they they want to not just release a phone but also create an ecosystem. And obviously Microsoft has an ecosystem. And if they can make those seamless, uh, I mean, Windows on Android is is some IT guy's wild dream. I mean, that'll be that'll be pretty amazing. Yeah. yeah I almost said another kind of dream, but stop with wild. At <laughs> um, <laughs> least I'm sure every, to our next story. Yes, yes. I'm sure everybody in this uh, in this audience has heard of the uncanny valley. The uncanny valley is a term given to when something is very lifelike, something artificial is very lifelike, but not lifelike enough that it's just weird. Well, apparently, a new Japanese museum uh, is celebrating the uncanny valley. Yes, new robot guides at a Tokyo museum look so eerily human and speak so smoothly, they almost outdo people. Um, you know, it's like, you know, okay, the U.S. kind of has the lead in like military robotics and robots that do stuff. But when it comes to making robots look and act human, I think everybody would agree that Japan is the place for that. Uh, you know, you look at the, a lot of the manga and anime that come out of Jap- Japan, think of Ghost in the Shell. Everything is like getting to the point where it's that singularity where what it means to be human and what it means to be machine, it almost, there's almost no difference. And so they're kind of showing off what these, um, robots can do and, they talk about some glitches, like sometimes when they're speaking, their mouths don't move and sometimes the mouths don't line up perfectly with what's being said. But really just looking at the pictures in there, um, you could, you know, there's people that look weirder uh, <laughs> yes. than, than these pictures. So, you know, you can kind of look at them like there's a couple of them where, if somebody told me that's a person, I wouldn't have any reason to doubt them. And some of the others you go, I don't think that's a person. They look a little strange, but you know, they're getting to the point to where they are looking more and more human like and interacting with them. I mean, you go up there expecting a human and all of a sudden, you know, 
you hear this voice that sounds human, but the mouth doesn't move and it could freak you out. So yeah. it was just a weird story. I wanted to pass it along and, you know, it, in general, people are more comfortable with C3PO than we are with data. Right. Uh, and, you know, we want our machines to be obviously machines. Uh, and so then, you know, at some point we'll, we'll create the replicants. We'll, we'll be running in the Blade Runner world. Um, and then you won't know the difference between a machine and a man. Uh, and then obviously we'll be able to accept them because we won't know the difference. But when you get to that, that uncanny valley there where they're close enough to human that you think they might be, but far enough away that they're, they're like a broken human. Cause that's, that's how your brain responds to it. This is a broken human. Right. And, and we have a genetic fight or flight response that comes in when we look at broken humans. And it's sad to say, but we have the same thing when you when you see a, a somebody who's been badly burned or somebody born with a birth defect. We have that same response to it. It's a genetic revulsion, and we like to think we're high-minded people and we can think past it. But there's always that moment of, dear God, what is that thing? Um, and the, and these robots create a combination of, dear God, what is that thing? And wow, that's cool. And so it creates a cognitive dissonance there of. I don't know how to handle these two symbols, signals in my brain. I don't know how to handle the curiosity, this is cool signal, and that this is a monster that might eat me signal. And it just makes you uncomfortable. Yeah. Me Hulk, me smash good. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's kind of what you just like. Um, I don't like. It's creepy, and I'm going to therefore destroy what I cannot comprehend. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the, article, it, the article references another Japanese firm that's creating a robot that looks a little bit like c3po they say um from star wars uh but cost two grand frankly i would buy c3po for two grand i i would not hesitate to do that even if all he did was said master luke master luke and walked around and and complained a lot i would pay two grand for that because why not yeah but you see they stick it to you because r2d2 is a hundred thousand and you know and you he's the cool the set. one right <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't, I don't know where to go, uh, from that. And just to say, uh, police are hackers now. Yes. Um, there's this story and you know, it doesn't really, it, it doesn't reveal anything new, but it just talks about how law enforcement agencies across the globe are acting more and more like hackers using targets, phones and computers to spy on them in methods that you would associate with cyber criminals and not with police officers, you know? And I mean, honestly, it's kind of a little scary because if the police are investigating me, you know, what we're in the investigation, does it go from being police work to, you need a warrant to install malware on my phone so that, you know, it takes pictures of what I'm doing and you can listen in on my conversations. Um, but it's citizens lab is the, um, security researcher that kind of talks about the report and like i say it's it's one of those things that you already know but just when you read about it in the story it's just like you know again i don't know how much of a tinfoil hat person are you if you're like full-blown tinfoil hat you know this is proof that the government's out to get you and there's conspiracies everywhere if you're tinfoil visor this might make you roll a piece of tin over the head and become a full-on tinfoil hat guy Um, so so is that a tinfoil comb over is that what that is yeah yeah it's like a it's like a visor with an with a sunshade on it or something i don't know but um they say they uncovered 326 um 
hacking team command servers in more than 40 countries, um, many of which were in the United States. Um, so it's, I don't know. It, it's just one of those you can kind of go and at what point does it stop being police work and becomes police state? And that's, you know, that's been the eternal discussion. Um, police forces have to, to, to advance with the times. Right. But at the same time, you, you, we're, we're more comfortable with a police force who is weak because when, then they know they won't turn police state. When a police force is strong, we fear they'll turn. I mean, I, modern police, I don't know about other countries. I can only speak for the U.S., but since uh, the war on drugs started in the 80s, police forces have become military organizations with armored assault vehicles and, and riot gear. And and you look at uh, a modern cop from Los Angeles and um, an SS trooper from World War II, and the, the cops are scarier. Um. Yeah, and I mean, now it's the digital version armor? of that. Yeah, yeah, it's the digital version of that occurring. Yeah. So, and you know, and and the kind of apps that they're using and the the kits that they have access to, you know, um, semantic Microsoft Kapersky um, AVG, they're not going to detect them. Um, you know, unless unless they happen to get a sample, but. It's just a scary thing. And, you know, I know there's a thing, well, if you aren't doing anything wrong, you don't have anything to hide. And that's just not the case. I'm not doing anything wrong, but dadgummit, I don't want people to know what I'm doing. You know, just yeah. just leave me alone and stay off my lawn. You know, one of the best arguments I ever heard for that is I don't do anything wrong in the bathroom either, but I don't want anybody in there with me while I'm doing it. You right. know, there's some things that you just you don't want to share with the world. When I'm sitting on the toilet grunting, because I haven't had enough uh, fiber, I, I don't need an audience with me. That doesn't mean it's illegal or shameful. It's just something that I choose not to share. And if I have stuff on my phone that is in that same category, then it's it should be mine to to keep private. And so I, I really hate that argument is if you're not doing anything illegal, illegal, you have nothing to hide. I have barbecue sauce recipe on here that I don't want anybody to know. It's not illegal. But I want to hide it, you know, and I should have the right to do that. That's a ridiculous example, but it's also a good example. Yeah. Um, I, I just, it's, I don't know, you know, and I don't even know how to have a good discussion on this because it's more like it's where it is now. I don't know that where it is now is wrong, but it's not going to stay here. It's either going to become more intrusive or it's going to become less intrusive. It's not going to stay right at the level right. it is. And I don't like more intrusive. Yeah, is like, it a pendulum or a juggernaut? And only yeah. time will tell. And, you know, I haven't seen a lot of, uh, a lot, there, there's not a lot of examples to support government relinquishing power it has. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the neatest things, and this happened, um, in the nineties, I believe in Texas, the treasury, the, the treasurer for the state of Texas said, um, we don't need this office. If you elect me, I'm going to shut down 90% of this office and transfer the other 10% to the comptroller. And there will no longer be a treasurer for the state of Texas. She won, she did it and she worked herself out of a job. That's like the only example I know <laughs> where the government says, uh, we're too big and we're going to shut this thing down. But you know, I, I just can't see the police going. Okay, yeah, we're, we're getting too much data. 
we're going to stop collecting data on people. But at the same time, you want them to have as much data on the bad guys as possible. So it's a it's a it's a difficult situation. It's a yeah. no win situation. Yep. All right. Moving right along. This is no no surprise. Nothing new. Just more of the same. Linux is kicking butt in the supercomputer department. Yes, it is now um, holds ninety seven percent of the fastest computers in the world are based on Linux, and of the remaining sixteen. Um, 13 run Unix. So, um, I think Windows has two, uh, and the best Windows machine is 294th place. Um, but so, you know, Linux is, and the, there was no real, you know, the, um, they come out with, uh, the top 500.org twice a year. They list this, the 500 fastest supercomputers in the world. There was no humongous breakthrough in, you know, orders of magnitude faster than last time. It's like the one that was fastest before is still fastest now. Um, but the, there's even less Windows machines on here and there's even more Linux machines than there were before so 485 systems out of the fastest 500 computers on the planet are running linux that's darn near global domination windows wish is in its heyday it had such a big market share there's a word for that domination yes all right and uh (laughs) this is cool and yet also meh uh, Google Docs can now directly edit Microsoft Docs, which is kind of nothing new, really. Well, you've been able to save them in the cloud uh, or in your Google Drive. You know, you can save PDFs in there. You can save pictures. You can save whatever, pretty much anything you want to in your Google Drive now. But now you can actually edit um, the the document as opposed to export before you were really more exporting it into google and then like trying to save it back as a doc now you're actually accessing the document and making changes and i gotta admit even just whenever i've been tinkering around in google docs uh for the podcast and you know i don't use hardly any of it i've noticed that there's more stuff it can do now than it used to be able to do before so yeah you can now edit microsoft office docs in Google. So that's one less reason you have to get office is, well, I've got to be able to access these documents. Now, granted, if you use a lot of calculations in Excel, I don't know how well those are. Um, I would not trust them. I would like, I would do them a couple of times in Google apps and Microsoft just to make sure you get the same thing. And even then I still don't know if I would trust it, but you know, if you're just editing a word doc, Google. Yeah, Google Sheets has really grown up a lot very recently. Uh, I would have agreed with you uh, just a couple of months ago, Seth, that that uh, Microsoft really lags behind in the spreadsheet department, but they've they've really stepped up there. Now they lag behind in the presentation department. You can't compare um, Google Present to uh, Impress on the LibreOffice side or uh, PowerPoint on the Microsoft side. But, uh, you know, I think they're taking it one app at a time. And this is, this has really been a, uh, a, a really big leap forward for Google Sheets. So, uh, yeah. you know, and, and yeah, I, you're, um, I guess your point about the fact that you're no longer having to change file formats is right. Cause I've, I've imported in and exported out, but now it is the same doc. So yeah, I see. And, and they've also improved offline support a lot in this release. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a lot of ways. 
um, that you can ex- access your Google Drive now offline. And, uh, you know, a while back, I thought about doing a show about that. And, you know, we might one day when, when it's five minutes till showtime, we don't have anything. So. <laughs> yeah. All right. And next up, uh, patent trolls are just getting beat down left and right. And I love it. Uh, there's yet another uh, SmackDown. Yes, to quote Hannibal, I love it when a plan comes together. Uh, yes, this is, uh, we talked about this particular patent, or actually we talked about a case involving it, um, when Newegg, um, got drug into East Texas and basically no common sense found anywhere in the circuit court that ruled on the case. Uh, but anyway, so now into it, um, said, Hey guys, let's, we'll take a crack at them and they have proven that the web encryption patent that uh patent troll alpha beta charlie gamma whatever their name was really had nothing to do with um with encryption on the web and u.s circuit judge um sitting by designation in the eastern district of texas has found in a summary judgment ruling that the patent owned by tqp development is not infringed by the two defendants remaining in the case into it and hurts um now one thing he did was they rejected into its argument that the patent was invalid so it is a valid patent but it just it has no application to here and hopefully somehow this can hopefully you know new egg can because there's still motions to file and that kind of stuff we'll see and it's not over for that i hope but yes so this patent troll kind of took it on the chin uh, yeah, and, and this patent it's it's the worst kind of patent it says this technology over here that we didn't invent and this technology over here that we didn't invent using them together we invented that and and it's it's just dumb and yet it is withheld uh, been held up in court several times and and finally somebody said you know what taking a hammer that you didn't invent and putting it with a nail that you didn't invent you can't call that hammering a nail and patent that finally somebody's starting to see that but uh, but it it's been they've gotten uh, according to court documents over 45 million dollars off of this patent in settlements 45 million dollars on saying you can't use two things we didn't invent because we invented using them together dumb i just i hope when this is all done that you can sue them for being so stupid i, I hope somehow when all this settles out that you can do that well it's like patenting the gin and tonic you know it's just just it's ridiculous you you take gin you mix it with tonic boom we own that uh but patents don't make sense and and we're ah but you see i used 48 percent gin and 52 percent tonic you use 49 and 51 i have a new patent i'm i'm already i'm about to unload already and we haven't even gotten to the thing that that is really sort of the meat of the show so i'm going to back off a little bit um and say that now this is a cool thing kind of chrome os now runs android apps now there's been some old hacky ways to do that but now just out of the back out of the box you can run android apps on chrome yes and looking at the story i don't think that it's like i don't think you can do this today but i think like in the next generation or the next version of chrome os which 
two minutes from now. <laughs> right. Any second. Uh, and, yeah. And the next version of Android, you know, yesterday, uh, it will be, um, you know, and Chrome OS has a good bit of apps, but you know, they don't have the, they don't have the billions of, uh, fart sound apps that the Android marketplace has, you know, so. It'll, it'll be good news for everybody that you can take Android apps and run them on, uh, your Chrome OS. Now, apparently, um, it's not going to be all Android apps. It's only going to be some. But anyway, I just think it's really cool because it's just a way for you don't have to develop, you know, the same app. You know, it'll be great because you don't have to develop the same app for Windows, for Apple, for Chrome, for Android 4, Android 4.1, Android 4.2, and any web OS. And let's not forget Tizen. And there's also Firefox OS. You know, you, it's, you can do a little bit less developing. I don't think that's a bad thing. Yeah, and it's it's all you know. We we want to make the world as flat as possible. That's been the aim of of like HTML5 for a while now. Just move everything right. into the browser, uh, and you know it's it's a good thing. We want a flat world of technology. We want um, write once, run anywhere. Right. That's been the promise of Java and of of uh, gosh, seven several technologies over the years. Java is the only one I can think of right now, uh, and Android is is java based and it's kind of making that happen and great i'm all for it you know and and when you can um write an app and run it on the android ecosystem and the apple ecosystem and the microsoft ecosystem and the chrome os and in the web more's the better uh we're just we're we're getting there and this this thing is is not an emulator it's a converter is really the better way to put it they're building uh, sort of a compiler uh, into the system. Uh, again, this was at Google I.O., um, and so it was really developer-heavy, but it's, it's, an, it's a neat thing. I'm looking forward to, uh, to seeing the f- come to fruition. Yeah, same here. All right, and uh, the last, last one, this doesn't make sense. Facebook is now a champion for privacy? Yes. Um- and again, I almost expected this to be like an April day, April Fool's Day thing, but they are actually fighting New York County district attorney's demands for information pertaining to the accounts of several hundreds of its subscribers. Um, and it comes down to, uh, the reason this was, it's, um, they're going after firefighters and police officers who are claiming social security disability benefits for their involvement in 9-11. And Facebook is trying to say, look, guys, you don't get carte blanche because you have one affidavit, you know, and basically the judges in this case have said, um, actually they do. And here's a gag order. You can't talk about it. Um, but so face suit, Facebook has, uh, they filed a suit in August to quash the warrants on grounds that they violated its users' Fourth Amendment rights. And the judge basically said, it's not your Fourth Amendment. Therefore, you don't have grounds. And here's a gag order. So you can't tell the people whose Fourth Amendment rights it is. Um, uh, anyway, it just seems like, you know, so here's Facebook doing an about face. And well, I, you know, and are they really protecting or are they just, I don't know. They probably just looking for some way to monetize that information and don't want it getting out for free. But anyway, at least in this case, Facebook is standing up and defending privacy, at least trying to online. 
And Fourth Amendment, so, by the yeah, way, Facebook. for those of you who are not uh, scholars of the American Constitution, Fourth Amendment bans illegal search and seizure, meaning uh, in the U.S. you have to have a warrant, a search warrant. That's what that means. You have to go to the judge and say there is reason enough to warrant a search of this man's property or this man's whatever. Um, and so that's where the term, a lot of people don't know that. That's where the term search warrant comes from. Uh, and it's because built in right there, like with ratification of the Constitution, these first 10 amendments came along with it as the Bill of Rights. And and these people came out of a, a totalitarian monarchy and they didn't want uh, redcoats to just barge into their house and take whatever they wanted. So this amendment guaranteeing that people were safe from search and seizure, well, that we're now in a digital world. Searching your Facebook data and seizing your, your Facebook posts are now being argued under fourth amendment terms and so you know i think facebook is in the right here but probably for the wrong reasons they i think you're right seth they they they're not so much interested in privacy as they're interested in uh what else they might find when they're you know uh, getting through the database and and uh, but you know any anybody being smart even for dumb reasons is okay by me uh and so you know this is a a a, a, a specific inst- incident where somebody had a warrant. They they had reasonable expectation of that wrongdoing was being done. They went to the judge. The judge said, "Yes, I see that this warrants a search." Hence the name search warrant. And so they basically got into their Facebook page, uh, Facebook account, looking for specific information. While they were there, they found other things. That's not the way it's supposed to work. For example, if I'm searching your house for terrorism material and in the process I find child pornography, I'm not supposed to be able to admit that in court because that was outside the bounds of the warrant. Every week I feel like I make disclaimers. I'm way oversimplifying this. I'm not a lawyer, nor do I play one on the internet. But this is basically the, the simplified way it goes. And so Facebook is arguing that you have you search for a specific thing here and you can't search for other stuff and the and the judge in this case says no so it's it's being argued at a higher court now mark i neither am i a lawyer but i have stayed at a holiday and express so i sorry that's an old commercial yes. if uh, y'all aren't familiar with american television um but recently, the Supreme Court ruled that um, if the police are searching your car, they like need a separate warrant to go after data on the cell phone. Yes. And so to me, that mindset would play in to the fact here. But it comes down to this. Um, they were talking to a tech attorney for Tech News World, which is where we got this story. Um, it's not surprising that prosecutors view this non-private information as a treasure trove, but evidence being evidence freely given up and usable. And he pointed out, let the sharer beware. So, you know, Facebook's concern is that people are going to post less on Facebook because there's a chance that, you know, what they say can and will be used against them and they won't have a chance to hide it later. And of course, if people post less to Facebook, then they're not, you know, then us cattle moving over here aren't worth as much money to the advertisers on Facebook. So that's really why Facebook is championing this cause. But, you know, it kind of goes in there. I'll take uncommon sense anywhere I can get it. 
Yeah, and while we're talking about constitutionality and the the intricacies of U.S. law, let me jump into the the Mark's pissed off story of the week. The thing that really made me mad is uh, something I had very high hopes for. I put faith in the highest court in the land to not be idiots. Turns out that faith was misplaced. Ario has had a court uh, case uh, that the Supreme Court heard. Heard, And let me tell you a little bit about Aereo in case you don't know. They had a brilliant model. It started in New York. They've moved to, to different cities, uh, two cities that directly affected me, Dallas and Atlanta. And so here's the way it works. Radio, television waves are transmitted over the air. They're free for the taking. Stick a piece of metal up. It's yours. Okay. But they're not available over the Internet because of various rules for example let let me bring it home my beloved dallas cowboys the nfl nfl games are not online unless you have some uh situation like the direct tv for example if you have sunday ticket there you can stream your direct tv content online um otherwise they're just not the nfl is way behind the times uh, in that uh, major league baseball hockey uh, world cup has been all over uh, online but nfl is not so the only way you can watch the nfl online is to stick an antenna up connect it to a converter box and stream that over the internet you're allowed to do that there are devices that do that all the time sling boxes is one where you can you can stick an antenna in the air plug it into a digital uh converter turn that into a stream, and then stream it anywhere on the internet, perfectly legal. So Aereo said, okay, here's what we'll do. We will rent you a nickel-sized antenna for eight bucks a month. You now own that antenna for all intents and purposes. We've rented it. We also provide DVR services, which, again, Slingbox, TiVo, all these things do that, perfectly legal, held up in court all the time. So you take our rented piece of space. All right, you, you you've rented it's real property. It's you you are paying rent on it just like you pay rent on a house or an apartment or a storage building. All right? You have rented this piece of equipment. It goes through their software, again, perfectly legal. They constructed this whole ridiculous system to make it legal. Now, there's an IP access to their DVR. Again, all of this is legal. The uh the broadcasters, the Hollywood folks, said, no, you're rebroadcasting our signal, and that's illegal. But the thing is, they went through all these steps to make sure it's not, because I own that antenna. I, I'm a Aereo subscriber. I own an $8 antenna um, in Dallas. See the problem there? I don't live in Dallas anymore. That's what they're mad at. I can watch Dallas television in Atlanta. I can watch my beloved Cowboys using Aereo from Atlanta. They don't like that. So they took him to court, and they've, they've won in court, and they've moved to the next court, and they won in court. So they moved to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court heard the case, and dadgummit, they ruled against Ariel, and it just blew me away. And uh, uh, Judge Justice Antonin Scalia, Scalia wrote the uh, dissenting opinion. It was a 5-4. It was a split decision. He wrote the dissenting opinion, and basically his uh, dissent was the court here really screwed up. Because now this is going to target not only Hulu, not only HBO Go, uh, not only services like that, but now Dropbox and Google Drive 
because you're taking content from somewhere else. What if I put a video I ripped on Dropbox and access it across state lines? Now, according to this Supreme Court ruling, that too is subject to problems uh, by the law. Now, they have claimed to say that they've actually they wrote uh, something that specifically excluded Dropbox by name. Okay, fine. So I'm going to call it Kickbox. Well, now that's that's not because it wasn't uh, pulled out by name in the Supreme Court decision. Or Box, just Box.com. So this is just stupidity on parade here. Because Ariel went to great great pains. You don't have to do all this sort of stuff. They could have stuck one up, one antenna up in the air, streamed everything into their data banks and gone like that. But no, they constructed this entire ridiculous scenario to comply with the law. Every step of the way, they complied with the law. And then the court looked at it and said, yeah, each of the pieces comply with the law. But on a whole, not so much. So how can every one step you do be legal, but the culmination of those steps be illegal? That is a great question, Mark. Um, I have no idea how they, I have no idea how they can make this ruling. You know, again, there's several ways Ariel could have done it that you could say, yes, that is illegal because, you know, they're just, they're taking somebody else's signal and broadcasting it without paying, you know, Netflix, they pay licensing for shows they run that were originally syndicated or ABC or whatever. Uh, Hulu Plus does basically the same thing, but Aereo did it different. They like rented you space in a different city and you had material there because if I went to, if I went to Atlanta and I rented an apartment and I paid for cable there or whatever and paid for TiVo there, then I could access it here yep. at my other house. Yep. And that should not. So what they're saying is doing that has to be illegal because it's the exact same thing. Now, and, and Aereo was even going so far, like when I watched um, TV, watched Aereo here in Atlanta, it popped up and said, whoa, this IP address isn't in Dallas. You can't do that. And I had to to lie. And click a button that said, no, I really am in Dallas. This is, I'm going through a VPN or some other anonymizer that says I'm not. So, I mean, they even, they even block that on my mobile phone, for example, where it can triangulate cell towers and know exactly where I am and have GPS. It won't let me do it. I said, nope, you can't do it. You can do the, the Atlanta service, but you can't do the Dallas service. So they took every step of the, of the way to make it legal, but now, According to the Supreme Court, and I misspoke, I said it was a 5-4 decision, it was 6-3. Now, according to the stream, Supreme Court, I can't even stream Atlanta stuff. Even though I can stick a piece of metal in the air and get every bit of it. None of this makes any sense. And, and Seth, as you've said so many times, common sense is so uncommon as to not even uh, account anymore in the world of the law. But I just don't understand how these educated, intelligent people can be so wrong. So. Since I don't believe they're wrong, I have to believe they're bought. That's the only other explanation. You can't be you can't be that smart and be that stupid. These are guys who are at the top of their game. They were the best lawyers in the business. They were the best judges in the business. They were appointed to the Supreme Court. They were confirmed by Congress. That's a difficult process. Ask uh, uh, Robert Bork how difficult that process is. Each one of these people got through that process, sat on the Supreme Court for life. 
They are appointed for the rest of their, as long as their heart is beating, they're on that court. These are not idiots. To rule on something so idiotically has to mean that they're bought and paid for. There's no other explanation. You know, I love a good conspiracy theory, Mark. I love it. But I work at a law firm. And obviously, if you want to be a lawyer and, you know, you go for all the schooling and then you pass the bar and then you are a partner at a law firm, you know, you you have to know your stuff. You have to be smart. You you have to. But I've heard them talk about technology and about things like Facebook and Instagram and even stuff like email and YouTube. And I could not believe the stuff they were telling each other. It was ridiculous how uninformed they were of, you know, stuff that any junior high kid knows has fact was over the head of of these people who are super intelligent, much smarter than I am. They, they've driven, they've sacrificed to reach the top of their profession. And yet when it comes to basic technology, they didn't have a clue. And so, you know, the Supreme Court is even another level isolated from that. And I honestly, I can, the sad part is, I can believe that they don't have a clue on what they're doing and they're just listening to the arguments from people who don't know what they're arguing about. And, you know, you have these companies with unlimited almost money streams to hire the lawyers and do the market research and polish their stuff against these other companies with next to nothing to defend themselves. And they just get rolled over, you know, um, they're, they're just unprepared for the onslaught that's unleashed against them. And, you know, you can take somebody who has nothing to say, but he can be so good saying it that at the end, you think he's selling you the gospel truth. And I would love to, th- I, like I say, I, I don't think they're bought. I just think that when it comes to technology, they are, they are the classical definition of ignorant. They simply don't know. And because they don't know, they're listening. You know, it's like if I were going to sit on the on the uh, jury panel in a malpractice brain surgery lawsuit, I don't have the first clue about brain surgery. So I would be listening, and whoever sounded the best would be who won. It wouldn't. I would not be qualified. But it's to not make supposed an to be whoever sounds the best. It's whoever complies with the law. And this, by every step of the way, complies with the law. That's that's the thing. This isn't a technology course uh, case. This is a legal. This is a a rebroadcast. This is what are you doing? All right, and and it's maybe they could get around it if I bought a piece of property and paid taxes on it. Maybe it was the renting that was the problem. But well, you didn't rent it. They rented it and sub rented it to right. you. So what by this? How is this different? Then I drive to Dallas, rent a storage building that has electricity for mm-hmm. $20 a month, stick a sling box in there that I can buy for $100 and call it good. That there's, there's no, there's nothing, no different than that. And in fact, I mean, why, why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I call one of my friends who still lives in Dallas and say, look, I'm going to wire you a hundred bucks. 
buy me a year's worth of rent on the smallest storage facility you can find. In fact, can I rent a corner of your house? Yeah, just rent yeah, a room. I want to rent. I don't do. even want a room. I want six square inches of your house, and I'll pay you a hundred bucks a year for it. And and I will send you a sling box. And all you got to do is plug it into your internet connection. And and I'll even buy internet connection if you want to do that. You know, there's 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 so many ways that I could do this that that are the exact same thing. How is that not illegal? I don't understand. I don't understand. I'm just going to, I keep ranting, but it all comes back to, I don't understand. Um, and that, and that's the problem. They don't understand either. They don't understand. All they understood was, um, they're rebroadcasting our stuff. And are they rebroadcasting? Technically, yes, but they're doing it legally. You know, I mean, there's no difference between me doing that at my house and then, I'm stuck in a motel room, so I'm walking into my, you know, I'm wiring into my my internet, and I'm watching it. There's no difference, and the other side did such a good job covering up, and they, yeah. they just, the loudest and the longest, you're rebroadcasting our stuff, that's wrong, stop doing it, or pay us money. Um, that's, like I say, I would love... I just think that they honestly don't understand what was going on. And so because they didn't understand, they listened to the, they listened to the lawyer that made the best sounding argument. So like, for example, I mentioned the world cup, right? I, I am not a soccer fan, not at all, but because it's a big deal and because I have friends who are into it, I've been following the world cup to the point of downloading the ESPN app on my smartphone logging in using my dish network credentials and watching ESPN. So what I did there was I proved that at some point I bought ESPN. Now ESPN isn't bound by these rules because they don't go over the air. Different set of rules. Um but what what's going to happen here is is what I hope will happen is that somebody will see this market and they will open Bob's cable vision and all Bob's cable cable vision will do is give you a, a password that you can use for all these other apps, right? It's not actually going to be a cable service. It's going to be an authentication service. And that's great for things that are never broadcast over the air. But see, this is why it's so dumb. Once you stick something up in the air, you can't control where it goes. And And that's exactly what they're trying to do. They want to broadcast it by definition broadly cast it and then complain that it goes farther than they think it should go you are broadcasting it you are throwing it into the air saying whoever wants this radio signal pick it up except you ario you're not allowed to pick it up right there's there's the law here is definitely way behind the technology that's i mean they, they, like I say, they don't understand. I have to believe that they don't understand what they did. They, they just, they don't understand what happened because this is as dumb a legislation as prohibiting the consumption of alcohol. It's, it's that dumb. It, obviously, it's a very different thing, but the logic behind it is as dumb as, as calling a slave three fifths of a person. You know, these, these things that I could cite in law 
that were dumb things that smart people did. This is right up there with it as being that dumb. Yeah, and you know, and there, there's things in here. The Obama administration sided with the broadcasters, but urged the justices to rule narrow, narrowly and not call into question the legitimacy of innovative technologies that allow consumers to use the internet to store here and view their own lawfully acquired copies of copyrighted works, which I don't understand how this was unlawfully acquired because uh, there's just, there's no way it just, it does not make sense. I would love, I would love to be called into the Supreme court and them explain to me, this is why we did this. And you know, maybe, maybe there is something that I don't know that would make this right. But I, I I can't for the life of me figure out what it is. Let me read to you the email I got as an Aereo subscriber from Chet Kenoja, the CEO. It's short. Um, this came out uh, on the 25th, just uh, literally a few minutes after the decision was released. It says, today's decision by the United States Supreme Court is a massive setback for the American consumer. Of course, they're going to say that. They lost. We've said all along that we work diligently to create a technology that complies with the law. But today's decision clearly states that how a technology works does not matter. This sends a chilling message to the technology industry. It's troubling that the court states in its decision that, quote, to the extent commercial actors or other interested entities may be concerned with the relationship between the development and use of such technologies as the Copyright Act, they are, of course, free to seek action from Congress. Really? Really? You're the Supreme Court. Supreme is built right into the name there. But no, go ahead and go to Congress with it. Uh, and then he goes on to say, that begs the question, are we moving towards a permission-based system for technology innovation? Do I have to go to, uh, this is me extemporizing now, do I have to go to Congress and get permission to invent something now? Uh, going back to, uh, quote, the Supreme Court thing, consumer access to free-to-air broadcast television is a central part of our country's fabric. This is the... the uh, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, going on. Using an antenna to access free-to-air broadcast television is still meaningful for more than 60 million Americans across the United States. And when new technology enables consumers to use a smarter, easier-to-use antenna, consumers understand that the market that and the mar- consumers and the marketplace win. Free-to-air broadcast television should not be available only to those who can afford to pay for a cable or satellite bundle. Again, that's that's Chet Kenosha speaking. Now he quotes Justice Scalia. Um, Justice Scalia's dissent gets it right. He calls out the attorney's opinion as, uh, quote, built on the shakiest of foundations. Justice Scalia goes on to say that, the quote, the court vows that his ruling will not affect cloud storage providers and cable television systems, but it can never, can it not deliver on that promise given the imprecise, uh, imprecision of its results driven rule that's the dissent uh and then kenosha closes we're disappointed with the outcome but our work is not done we continue to fight for our customers and fight to create innovative technologies that have a meaningful and positive impact on the world now you know there's a lot of marketing speak in there you got to use the word fight a lot apparently but um you know that's 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 the answer right there it's is as scalia points out we the the judge said it doesn't matter how the technology works as long as you're doing something we don't like yeah i think they just there's just no way i mean 
I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I can't, you know, it, you, how many times have you appealed to the umpire or whatever in a game, whatever you expect them to get it right? I mean, this is a case where we need instant replay in the Supreme Amen. Court. We need instant replay. Say, I can't believe you did that. Rewind. Do you not see what this has done here? And go, oh, you know, you're right. I'm sorry. I admit to say is not illegal. Somehow the pen <laughs> didn't catch on the word not. It was a blank spot on the paper. I'm sorry. It was reported in error. Something. You know, I don't know. April Fool or June Fools. I, I don't know. I, I wish I had something more cogent and salient to say, but really, for the last 40 minutes or so, I've just been ranting, and I understand that. Uh, and the rant is not just because I'm losing Aereo, or it looks like I'm going to lose Aereo. Uh, the rant is because there's no recourse now. It's It's done. I mean, we have to hope that other courts make it legal in other countries um and, well, and or, no we would have to get a there would have to be a law passed right saying that this is not saying that this is within the framework of the law and then because there was a law passed there could then be a new trial works its way through the system and they would realize guys you remember that last time um maybe we need to take a nap before the next session starts or something because I think we were wrong. Um, but that, that's the only course is for, is for Congress right. to pass a law yeah, so and it would have to be what the Supreme well, I Court, guess some state could do it. What the Supreme Court has said is as the law now stands, this is illegal. And that's what the, the, uh, the majority thing was about there. We feel free to go to Congress and have a new law written. But I, I, I think that's unprecedented. I can't. Again, I'm not a legal scholar, but I can't think of another time when the Supreme Court has said, if you don't like it, go have Congress write another law. I mean, that's just that just blows my mind that they would say such a thing. I think in the past there's been a the law has its worded isn't valid, you know, yeah. try it again kind of thing. But, you know, uh, we think this is wrong. Why don't you make a law to say it's right? That just... I mean, of course, you know, which law do you think would pass the one that has the lobbyists fueled by that consortium or the lobbyists who are fighting for the side of area? Which which law do you think has the best chance to make it through the legal process yeah. and get a signature from a sitting president? And sadly, that is that's the the case we live in. It would take an outcry from millions of people to counteract the amount of money that that lobby would throw at making the Supreme Court rule the actual law as well through the legislative branch as well. Sad day to be an American. But, you know, if there is one thing I can take note of this, this didn't happen in East Texas. (laughs) So... (laughs) We're not the only ones with no common sense in the legal system. I should say no uncommon sense in the legal system. Neither did the movie Transformers Age of Extinction. It didn't take place in East Texas either. (laughs) Well, correct. Uh, I just, 
I, I feel so broken and wounded by this because, again, this is something I'm passionate about. And as I said, this is literally a single use case for me, watching the Cowboys play. Obviously, that is not a big deal in my life. What has me so upset is the utter wrongness of it. And, you know, this is this is not the place where I talk about other Supreme Court decisions that I think were utterly wrong. We We could have another show for that. This is a tech show. So this is the first time that I've ever had the pulpit to say that the Supreme Court is totally, utterly wrong. I mean, only three of these guys got it right. Uh, and and it just, it makes me sad, frankly, as an American, that our country is so backward, that the leadership of our country is so bad. We freaking invented the internet. But our our government and our legal system has been trying to kill it ever since. Yep. And, I mean, with stuff like this, you have to think that they are... They seem to be doing a pretty good job, uh, unfortunately. It just, I, it's, it makes me sad. That's all there is to it. So, Seth, I need you to, to make, make me happy. Maybe, maybe a this week in history will make me happy. Okay. Well, I hope so, Mark. Um, you know, that's the whole reason I did this. Um, June the 29th. So, 1975. Actually, two days of the recording of this show, Steve Wozniak tested his first prototype Apple One computer. This week in history, uh, you know, here's the thing. Apple has been around really since as long as there's been a personal computer. And so there's lots of history of computers. That's the history of Apple yeah. because they've been around. You know, there was a time where they almost uh, faded into the darkness, but they came back stronger than ever. and. Steve Wozniak tested his first prototype of Apple One, June 29th, 1975. So you think of the personal computer as coming of age in the 90s and getting and being born in the 80s, but uh, no, even farther back than that. I was three years old when he was doing this. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and Apple, he, he was, uh, uh, Wozniak is, you know, one of those demented genius kind of guys, and he soldered together some components that were commonly available and made a computer. And back then, that was the only way you were going to get a computer, was to solder together some components and make a computer. Right. Uh, and it was it was Jobs who was the genius that, that sold it. Waz would probably have just been making them out of wood and, and tin cans in his garage and been happy. Jobs came along and said, no, 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 we can, we can make this a thing. So we certainly owe Steve Jobs for bringing us a large part of where we are, but it all started with Waz. Yep. I say that like I know him. Waz, we're buddies. You know, we go way back. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're both on the interwebs together. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this week in history, and um, next week, as I said uh, uh, before, we're going to have something non-technology, well, non-Linux related, so, you know, fits right into this show. Uh, we're going to do a show, so this, uh, we need your listener feedback, but it's got to be quick. All right, so this show is going to come out on Wednesday, and we're going to record on Saturday. So you got Thursday and Friday and early Saturday to get this in. So be quick, people. We're going to do a show on urban legends, specifically internet urban legends. Have you seen the Facebook post that feeding your dog ice water will make it explode? That's the kind of stuff we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the fact that 
that uh, Walt Disney doesn't have a son who's giving away stuff. Um, so I want to hear from you. What are your uh, favorites? Not the word, right word. What are the the internet hoaxes that make you most nuts? And we're going right. to talk about them and maybe try to do some research on them and hopefully. You know, hopefully none of our audience falls victim to any of these things. But I, for example, I fell victim to the fact that uh, the 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 myth that glass is a slow moving liquid. It's not really an internet internet hoax necessarily, but it's a thing that's not true. That's widely circulated, and it sounds true. You know, so that's yep. that's what we're going to talk about for the holidays. So uh, bring us bring us your tired, your poor, your huddled hoaxes, yearning to breathe free. Uh, and now, Seth, what have you got for the dev slash random this week? Okay. Um, as you all know, Sharknado 2 is coming to a small screen near you if you have the sci-fi channel. Well, in honor of that, Rift Tracks Live, Sharknado in a movie theater with basically the cast from Mystery Science Theater 3000 riffing on it the whole time and i am going to a theater i already know which one i'm going to um i think i've already purchased my ticket i gotta check my receipt but if not i'll buy it again if i lost it i felt cheated because i did not have cable or satellite when mystery science theater 3000 was there and so i only heard about it you know through secondhand the web was more just uh online news groups at the time and so i am so looking forward to this it's the it's sharknado on the big screen which i can't imagine how much more awesome that's going to be but then they're just going to be they're going to be riffing on it for the whole show and it's going to be um two days um july the 10th and then also the 15th. So the 10th is the day it's done live and the 15th will be rebroadcast. Um, the link will be in the show notes, but it's fathom with an F events.com. And you can just search for Sharknado on that or just fathom events Sharknado, um, on the Google or searcher of your choice online. I'm so looking forward to this. So it's going to be at a, at the theater, the same theater I saw transformers in this weekend on july 10th uh at uh, 7 p.m my time so uh yeah i think i may have to do that <laughs> yes um and of course they it's on a delay in the um mountain and pacific time I'm zones sorry, 8 p.m my time yeah so uh 7 p.m my time but you know if you want to do what the gooey kid is doing when the gooey kid is doing it and that might sound weird but it's not uh go see sharknado uh riff tracks live i just it i don't you know it's one of those things i am so looking forward to it that i don't think there's any way that it can live up to my expectations but i think it's still going to be awesome <laughs> Oh, that next day is my wife's birthday, so I may take her to that. No, that would be a terrible birthday <laughs> present. Uh, cause she's not one of us. She, she would think that it's a bad movie with worse people making fun of it. It would ruin it even more for her. But, uh, yeah, and some, and they probably will be the, the riffs will probably not be PG rated. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure that there will be some f-bombs and other i mean again i've never heard them so i don't know but 
you know, in, unless it's nothing but one cuss word after another, I, I don't see me leaving this theater. I, I might stay in the theater to the 15th and just watch it again and say, you can't make me leave. You, you have to, uh, I'm sure it's available somewhere, but try to find the Mystery Science Theater 3000 guys doing Plan 9 from Outer Space. Worst movie ever with most talented Ripper artists ever. It is so brilliant. Um, you, you have to try to check that out as a, as a sorbet to cleanse the palate for Sharknado. He's Googling it right now. I can, I can tell. MST 3000 PL gets you plan nine. Um, so riff tracks, I'm, I'm going to have to, uh, I'm going to have to take a look and see what's there. <laughs> Uh, oh, okay. No, I'm not paying thirteen dollars for it. Oh, I might just check no, out. No, it's right the, there. Uh, it's on. It's on YouTube. Um, but that's Hulu. only like ten minutes of it. No, it's on Hulu. Oh, it's yeah. Uh, Hulu.com has Plan Nine from Outer Space with riff tracks. I'll send you the. I'll put the link in the chat room right now. And of course, I can't hear it. I'm not watching live, but I, that's. That's sure what it looks like to me. Maybe it's just the movie. I don't know. Rift Tracks features Plan 9 from Outer Space. Well, from 2008, so it yeah. has to be. So there you go. Um, so that's new because it, it's not at, well, maybe they redid it in 2008 because I saw it back in the day. But anyway. Really? Hmm. So there you go. There's a double, um, a double bonus for you. Plan 9 from Outer Space was a great bad movie. I mean, I can't believe that it hasn't made it to our bad movie list yet because it's so bad that it's good. Right. But that's one of those, you know, that's one of those everybody already knows. Right. So, you know, that's kind of not what the, uh, not what our forums for our forum is to un, is kind of like, you know, we're the archaeological thing. Um, I so. can't remember the the director's name. Maybe maybe you can remember Seth. But what's interesting is is Plan Nine, and there's a there's a number of these guys. He worked with Bella Lugosi a lot. There was a movie right. Ed Wood. That was his name. There was yeah. a movie uh, uh, made about him, and Ed Wood was just this deranged dude who would shoot like seventy five scenes in a day. Like in a modern movie set, you might get two good scenes in a day. He would do seventy, eighty, ninety scenes in a day, and and just you know. Hey, you can see the the wire on that plastic plate that you're calling a a, a flying saucer. His his response would be suspension of disbelief. Move on. Um, and it's just it creates some really awesome bad stuff. Okay, Seth, stop watching the show. We gotta we gotta finish. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out. I'm hoping that uh, my download helper will allow me to get it for offline viewing. Oh, that's awesome. All right. Uh, that's all we got. I don't have any. That was my bonus, my Rift Tracks uh, uh, Plan 9. Uh, so we miss Chris this week. We'll have him back hopefully next week. But again, live in studio with me uh, next week will be the, the gooey kid. Uh, we've done that, I think, once before, twice before you've been you've been live in studio. Um, yeah, um, I think so. And so not often. Yeah. So we look forward to doing it again. And, uh, and we look forward obviously to hearing what you have to say. What word did I mispronounce this week, Paul? Let me know. <laughs> <laughs> the internet out there was I, am I totally off base? 
about the Aereo thing, let me know. It's not the first time I've been totally off base. Uh, but again, we, we love to hear from you. And the way you can do that is go to elementopi.com and click the uh, f- contact us button at the top of the page. Or if you want to have your own voice on the air, just dial 559-IMOPI anywhere in the, the continental North American land mass. And uh, Google Voice will let you leave a voicemail and we'll put it on the uh, on the air uh, we love to hear from you uh, the forum as i mentioned earlier is seth has, has been working on there again there's the uh, the bad movie forum there's all sorts of good stuff there let us know because this show is more than a show it's a community and we encourage our community members to uh to to let us know you're out there let us know what's on your mind um as always we thank you for being a les- listener seth thanks for being a great co-host and i'm gonna say that ends this. Oh, wait, Mark, before you do oh, it, I, I got a joke. All right. I got a joke. Okay. Whenever I saw that Aereo had been ruled illegal, I thought it was talking about the uh, Windows interface. <laughs> but I'm fine. Sorry. Wah, 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 wah. Okay. And that ends this episode of Everyday Life. <laughs>